touch the kids this morning. Holy Spirit, get them. Just get them. Just get them. I want to give you a testimony real quick before I introduce our speaker this morning. Last night, we're sitting down with Pastor Keith with just a couple guys from the church in Chalmette, and we're hanging out, we're talking, and picking his brain, and my wife sends me a text message in the middle of that, that last night, my daughter got saved. And the cool part is, is that it happened because she got in trouble. And my, my, my wife was just saying, baby, this is not who we are. This is, in this house, we serve the Lord, and this is not how Jesus wants us to live. And she said, well, I don't want to be a bad kid. And Caitlin said, you're not a bad kid. But I'm just letting you know, this is, we serve Jesus in this house, and we can't do it without him. And my daughter says, well, I don't want to do it without him anymore. And that was that. So even at that age, don't, don't sugarcoat it. Give them the gospel because they'll hear it and they'll receive it. Amen. Well, you're in for a treat this morning. I don't want to take any more of his time. Pastor Keith's become like a third or fourth or whatever father to me over the past few years. Um, and he's just a phenomenal man of God. He's extremely knowledgeable and knows his stuff. And just open your heart up, open your mind this morning and take great notes. But would you welcome the head of our network of NRP, the man who's been to Ukraine twice this year. He's the only person I know that when the war started, he bought a plane ticket to go. Like, he didn't buy one to leave. He said, no, I'm, I'm going to Ukraine. So just do me a favor, and would you get up on your feet and welcome Pastor Keith Ducey this morning. Hey, good morning. I am really honestly excited to be here. I love this stage in church life where you're just coming together, becoming a family, and looking at the future. I'm going to share a little bit uh, about that today. As Pastor Chris said, I'm the apostolic team leader of our network of churches. We're about 50 churches that are just a family of churches, and we love one another. We encourage one another. We do great mission work. We talked to, he just mentioned the Ukraine. Our group of churches right now is feeding thousands of people every day in the Ukraine. It's, uh, it's amazing what we're just, our little group of churches is doing. We'll be, I'll be going back on the 19th of uh, September with another team, and we'll be meeting with all these church leaders that are staying in the battle zone, the pastors that haven't left these are uh, amazing men and women, and we're just privileged to stand with them. And uh, we graduated 300 Bible college students across the world in, I think, seven nations this year. Just our group of churches through the Global Roar Ministry. So you're contributing to that, by the way. You, you're a part of that. You're a part of that inheritance. I, I just want to uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart for your generosity and sharing. And, and then we do other things, like, uh, you know, we do... Like the Bander Brothers Conference is coming up in October. Uh, we have over 400 men registered. We can take 500. So, guys, I would just say this to you. If you really haven't thought about it, stop thinking about it and just do it. There, you Listen, it's a life-changing event for 500 men to get together in one room and really do kingdom stuff together. It's a life-changing experience. And it's the best way for you to really, just really get connected. And 
If you need some help, get, talk to Pastor Chris about it, and it is it is worth whatever you've got to do to get there. I'll just say that it's it's just it's just it's the event of the year that we do. It's it's just phenomenal. So I would encourage you. It's coming up October. I think it's fourth, fifth, and sixth. Okay, we start on a Thursday night, go all day Friday. Six, seven, eight. Thank you, Pastor Chris. And uh, so anyway, but it's good to be here. Of course, I love Pastor Carl and Don. They are like the, the prime examples of what uh, a Christian man and a Christian woman look like. And you're so privileged to have a great model, not just a great message, you know. And uh, Pastor Chris and uh, Caitlin are following right in their steps. What a privilege to have them. So, so you're rich people. Amen. And then you get guys like Nick hanging around here, you know, providing leadership for you and God raising him up. What, what a blessing he is. Amen. Amen. So let's dig in here. I'm going to go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Uh, Pastor Chris actually asked me if I would consider preaching on this because he's doing some stuff on faith. And I said, sure. You know, when you, in my situation, when I step into a, uh, somebody else's pulpit, I'm there to support what they're doing. I'm submitted to them. That's how ministry flows. It flows from the top down. So we should all be connected. At the same time, if I said to Pastor Chris, hey, I think I got something else in my heart, that would have probably been okay with him too. But, but that's the way we should relate to one another. We should defer to one another. Amen? And so, uh, you know, that pastoral mantle is very important to honor and to, to understand and to buy into. So I'm going to start here. He asked me, it was kind of funny, he said, Hebrews 11.3, when he said that, I said, you know, Chris, in all my years of ministry, I don't think I've ever just preached out of that text. I've preached out of Hebrews 11 more than once, you know, but I don't know that I've ever just plucked verse 3 out and gone after it, you know. So that's what we're going to do today, all right, under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I have a friend with me here. Gabe, why don't you come up and say hello real quick. This is Gabe Powden. Now, I'm a Yankee. I'm from Pittsburgh, all right. He is on the border of Canada. So he is really a Yankee. Now, this is the first. He, this guy never ate red beans until yesterday. Yeah. He didn't know what Boudon was until yesterday. So, I mean, are, are you with me? Have some, have some sympathy for the man. But anyway, sure. say hello, Gabe. Yeah, hello. How are you guys doing? You want, you want to say, say other yeah. stuff? Okay, cool. Yeah, um, my, my life was changed by red beans and boudon, and I had chili on a burger. Like, praise the Lord, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm from upstate New York. I, I'm getting to travel with Pastor Keith here. Um, he said, you should come with me this weekend to New Orleans, and I was like, let's go. So, But I just wanted to share with you guys, um, in worship, I was so stirred by there, there seems to be a, a purity of heart. Um, here just to seek the Lord, to seek his kingdom, to seek uh, just the outpouring of the spirit. I want to encourage you guys, keep doing that. That's where revival comes from. Revival comes from people saying, let the kingdom come first in me and let it pour out out of that excess, pour out outward. And so um, I want to encourage you guys, keep doing that. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all I want to say. But yeah, thank you guys. I was stirred already. So I'm blessed to be with you guys. This is a real generational connection. About 25 years ago, Gabe's dad, who was you know a young man about his age, uh, traveled. We had a youth ministry and traveled across the country. And his dad led worship, and he happened to meet his future wife during that time. And so they pastor a dynamic church today in upstate New York uh, in a college town, a, a real hopping place. And Gabe is the oldest of 10 children. <laughs> How about that? So they really, they really came together, you know what I'm saying? Okay. 
But anyway, <laughs> Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, and so that what is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. So, you know, this Hebrews passage we call the Hall of Faith. It talks about all these different great men and women of God. And if you read through the chapter, verse 4 talks about Abel. Verse 5 talks about Enoch. Verse 7 talks about Noah. Verse 8 talks about Abraham. Verse 11 talks about Sarah. Verse 17 talks about Abraham again. Verse 21 is Jacob. 22 is Joseph. 23 is Moses. 24 is Moses. 20, or 31 is Rahab. 32 is Gideon. Then you got Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, and Samuel. So it's the hall of faith. But it literally, it starts with God in verse 3. It starts with God's kind of faith. But before we get there, I want to go to the end of the chapter. You know, uh, sometimes you really got to read the end of the book to understand the context of it. You ever get a letter in the mail like you're not sure what it's about and you, you flip to the end, you like read it and say, oh, I want to know what this is about. So you put everything in context. But I think there's something about faith that we really have to grasp. And if you go to 11... 39, verse 39, it says, and all these, speaking of all those people I just read about, all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Well, that's an odd faith message, isn't it? Did not receive, what, but what does it say about them? That they gained approval. Listen, here's the faith secret. Uh, this is the greatest faith secret I think that is not talked about enough. The, the essence of faith is that we can have a relationship with the creator of the world. I'm a believer. I was designed to believe. My job is to believe. I love the results when they happen. I love it when faith manifests. But even when it doesn't, I have accomplished my destiny by being able to believe God. When you operate in true faith, you're never disappointed because you've engaged God. All those who believe, though they did not receive the promise, were approved by God. And when you walk in a relationship with God, and your greatest desire is just to please him and do the right things. Even when your circumstances don't work out the way you'd really like them to do, there is a peace that is in you that enables you to endure and look to the future and say, tomorrow I get to do it again. Hallelujah. That's what real faith is. Anybody can rejoice in good circumstances. But these people, some of them were tortured for their faith. They were martyred for their faith. But they were approved by God. Hallelujah. That's what you've got to know about these incredible people. So in verse 3, we see this biography. So I want to just really dissect verse 3, okay? You want to do that with me? It says, by faith we understand the worlds were prepared by the word of God. By faith we understand. That word understand means to, to comprehend, to observe. The first revelation of God is in Genesis 1-1. 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The first mention of God, you, you've got to really understand that this is, this is your foundation. The first revelation, the first understanding we have of God is that he is a creator. Before we understood him as a Lord and a Savior and a Redeemer, we must understand that he's a creator. God doesn't start the Bible with an explanation. He starts it with a declaration. I am the creator. We've got to understand that God is the creator. None of you. See, this is important because you've got to understand that none of you, despite whatever the circumstances of your conception were, are here by accident. God is a creator. That's his nature. That's what he's done. He is all-powerful. He is the, the theological word, he's omnipotent, okay? He is able to do anything because he created everything out of nothing. That's pretty good. You can't do that, okay? Nobody, nobody can do that. You know, we did not, there's this evolutionary mindset, okay, that Christians hold to. I'm not talking about believing in ev evolution like you were made out of a uh, m primordial soup. Okay, that like evolution. I'm not talking. I'm talking about in our thinking, in our theology. It's like something's just going to happen. No, when you believe in God as a creator, there's a divine cause and effect. Okay, what you sow is what you reap. How about that? That's a divine cause and effect, right? So we want to make sure that as we're walking with God, we understand his statutes, we understand his ways, we understand his nature, so that we're not just saying, well, something different is going to happen. I'm not going to change anything, but my life is going to change. That's evolutionary thinking. That might not be the Big Bang Theory, but it's the little poof theory. It's not going to work. Okay? That's not how we're and, and by the way, this is really important because well, you got to realize this evolutionary, the teaching on evolution is really a slap in the face of God. It's denying on who God is. You know, I, I honestly, I laugh out loud. I, I watch these documentaries. I read this stuff. Oh, yeah, the, you know, this animal was, you know, 400 million years. Do you know how many zeros there is in 400 million years? And then one guy said, well, maybe, maybe the shark was 200 million. Maybe it was 400 million. Oh, yeah, what's 200 million years here and there? I mean, who makes this stuff up? Who Was anybody there to test? No, nobody was there. The Bible says God created the earth in six days. That's what I believe. I don't believe it kind of evolved. I don't believe you kind of evolved. There's a divine design in you. Are you with me? I had a pro-life debate one time on a college campus with a college professor, and he was trying to convince the audience that, you know, that people aren't people at the point of conception. So I just asked him a simple question. I said, well, well professor, I said, in the history of humankind, in the documented world history of every continent, has a woman ever been pregnant with anything but a person? Have they ever had a baby toaster? <laughs> Things reproduce after their own kind. That's the first law of creation. If you've got an apple tree, you know what it's going to produce next year? Apples. 
It will never produce oranges. It will reproduce after its own kind. That's the law of creation. And see, when you reject a creator, you start looking for things that don't reproduce after their own kind. And there are people, even in the church, that are sowing one kind of seed and expecting another kind of fruit. That's crazy thinking. So what he says here, before he starts this, this whole lineage on faith, he said, we understand. You know what he's saying? Before you go any further, you got to get this. God's a creator. There are laws of creation. You know, if you jump off a roof, gravity's going to work. If an unbeliever jumps off the work roof, gravity's going to work. If you go out in the rain, you're going to get wet. If an unbeliever goes out in the rain, they're going to get wet. There are laws of the universe. There are laws in the kingdom. And as we walk with God, the law of faith, the law of things reproducing after their own kind is something we must embrace. And as a pastor for many years, it would shock me that sometimes there would be people in the church for years and years and they literally did not comprehend why certain things were happening in their life. They weren't just happening. There's a cause and effect for things. And in God, we're able to overcome those things, even when they are not pleasant. So the first revelation of God is that we understand. If you don't understand that, the rest of Hebrews 11 doesn't work for you. He's creator. He's king of the hill. He is sitting on a throne right now. God is not biting his fingernails over what's happening in the world. You and I do that. He doesn't do that. Okay? Because he's the king. It says here that the worlds were prepared. I like this. The King James says the worlds were framed. I like that terminology. And the word worlds here is literally not just talking about a physical thing. It's talking about a projection of time. Some translations say the ages were prepared. How were they prepared? They were prepared because God, how does it say God created the earth? He spoke it. Now listen, he didn't think it into existence. He didn't wish it into existence. He spoke it into existence. You know, Marconi was the inventor who understood, he, he, he created the radio. He believed that sound waves were out there to be captured. People thought he was out of his mind. What, I'm going to speak something here and you're going to capture it 100 miles down the road where you can't even hear it? I want you to think about that. That's, a, that's crazy thinking. I mean, you know, you know what his goal was? Marconi's goal was he believed, and scientifically, my understanding is this is still accurate, that sound never stops. It gets absorbed, but it's out there. Like what you said yesterday is out there in the universe. Seeking a place to happen. Marconi's goal was to get to hear Jesus. That was his goal. He believed the words of Jesus were out there. And to his dying day, he was trying to figure out ways to go. Because he had proved scientifically that sound was out there. Now, I want you to think of that spiritually. So God spoke the world into existence. And those words of God are still out there. Hmm. Hallelujah. Let me give you a couple verses to go with it. 
How about Hebrews, just the first chapter, verse 3? He upholds all things by the word of his power. How about Colossians 1.17? He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. <laughs> How about this? Put this one up there. Genesis 8.2. Genesis 8.2. I gave you that, I think. No, angel? I'm sorry. Okay, let me find it, all right? I'm going, sometimes I skip over things and, you know. Being in the sound booth is like being an offensive lineman. <laughs> the only time they ever notice you is when they throw the penalty flag, right? Give Angel a hand here. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I want to read this to you because this is important. Genesis 8, verse 2. All the fountains of the deep, and that's not the wrong verse. I even, I even gave you the wrong verse. <laughs> I'll just do this. How about 2 Peter 3, 7? You have that one, right? Okay, let's do this one. But listen to this. By his word, think about this, what I just read to you. By his word, the present heavens and earth. When did he speak? In the beginning. 6,000 years ago. I believe the earth is 6,000 years old, not 40 million. By his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly people. God's word is out there still creating. Can I, can I throw something at you here? You are framing your future with the words you use today. You say, well, Brother Keith, you one of those people who believe in positive confession? Absolutely. Why would I believe in negative confession? Now, I believe in saying what God says. See, we're living in a culture where everybody is worried about what somebody else is saying about you. Can I just tell you something? If you knew how infrequently people really thought about you, you wouldn't care what they said about you. Okay? But when you understand, when you want the doctrine of identification is under, this is what God has said about me. God says I'm his daughter. God says I'm his son. God says I'm a joint heir. God says I'm forgiven. God says I'm redeemed. God says I'm the head and not the tail. When you start speaking those words of what God said, not your ambitions, not some positive, you know, mind over matter thing. But when you start speaking what God says, you start framing your future. You start walking into your destiny. This is the example of Hebrews 11. This is how God, if you would, use faith, if that's possible to put it in those terms. But he began to declare it. So ultimately, what God says about you is the most critical. And even above that is what you say God says about you. It's not just enough to know what God says. It's what you say God says, and you saying that out loud. How many people say, who do you think you are? I'm just God's son. Can you top that one? <laughs> Everything I am, did I earn that? No. Can I attain to that? That's not even the issue. The issue is I'm his son. I've been birthed by him. I've been born again. I have an inheritance in God. I'm a child of God. Come on. That's what God says. The world might say I'm an idiot. The world might say I'm an orphan. The world might say this. Or, so what? 
you might feel that way about yourself. But faith overcomes feeling by the fact of what God says. See, faith is calling those things that be not as though they are. It's not calling those things that are as though they be not. You don't have to deny reality to walk in faith. You start focusing on the invisible and declaring the invisible in Jesus' name. Faith sees what the natural mind doesn't see. Faith looks at God's word and faith says, I'm redeemed, I'm a new creature, I have newness of life, and I start seeing myself walking. You know, I come from a bad background, so I started seeing, I was taught this. Thank God I got into a good church when I got born again. And I was taught that I was a new creature. And I started confessing that I was a new creature. I started talk, talking about old things have passed away and all things have become new. And you know what? I started living like that. I started framing my future. Instead of letting the world and the devil and my addictions and my hang-up and my weirdness and my brokenness frame my future, I started speaking God's word. You're right. I believe in confessing the word of God. Not to impress God, but to release the faith that God has put in me. Do you understand that? You can frame your future. Many of us sitting here today, we're in certain circumstances because we've let somebody else's words frame our future. That's good preaching. I'm going to talk to you just, as I was in here this morning, I've just had so much fun meeting some of you folks this morning, walking around here, and I've been involved in, you know, church planting and stuff for years and years, and I love, I just love this stage of church life. I just love it. Next week in Pittsburgh, we'll have the 40th anniversary of one of the churches I planted 40 years ago. I was 25 years old. It was our second church plant, believe it or not. I'm going to tell you a story. In the first service, we had six people meeting in a funeral home that looked like a funeral home. It wasn't even nice. It was, there was like a screen behind me, and everyone wondered if there was a body back. I mean, this was, a, it was the only place we could find to meet. We didn't have any money. We didn't have nothing, okay? There were six people. One of those couples was Paul and Sherry. They were pregnant out of wedlock. He had just given his life to the Lord, and they committed their life to the Lord. Nine years later, we sent him out to plant a church. The next week... There was a guy named Gary came. We, we, we doubled in about three weeks. We went from like six to 11. Right? We were rapid church growth. Are you with me? There was a guy named Gary. He was our first church plant. Six years later, we planted a church with him. The next week, there was a guy named Rick. He was 18 years old. He's the pastor of that church today. We have four locations now. He's the leader of that church. What I'm telling you is there was something in my spirit. I saw something. I was part of a big church. I was on staff at a big suburban church, and God put it in me to go back into this urban area where I was from, from the rough and tumble, and plant a church where nobody wanted to do that. I saw something. Are you with me? The friends around me thought I literally had lost my mind. Like, you're going to give this all up, and you're going to go do this? And I said, I am compelled by the Spirit of God. There was some, the same reason Pastor Carl came here. Because he saw you. And he didn't just see you. He saw those that you would influence. He saw those you would connect to. He saw those that you would become a bridge to. He saw your future being framed by words of faith. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That's the place you're in today. 
So how we prophesy about ourselves is important. You know, I'm going to tell you something. You know the best preacher, you're, I can tell you the best preacher you're ever going to hear. It's you. Your heart is tuned to hear your words. You can walk out of here, you know, you hear great preaching all the time. You can walk in here and say, man, that was, that was, that was sirloin, baby. That, that, was, that was good, you know. But you know what's better is when you start preaching to yourself. Does anybody here preach? I mean, I preach to myself. I mean, I, I preach to myself. Come on, Keith. Come on. Get up, boy. Come on. Worship the Lord. Come on, oh, my soul. Bless the Lord. You need to learn to preach. That's speaking the word of God. When Pastor Chris is up here pouring out his heart and, and talking to you about bearing fruit and, and, and coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ and, and having, uh, you know, effect in your life, you need to walk out of here and say, he was talking about me today. That was me. That was me. That's you I'm preaching to, buckaroo. <laughs> Confessing the word of God. He framed the world's. That word of God is out there sustaining the world right now. We hang on this. Listen, this earth isn't going away until God's done with it. Contrary to what the environmentalists say. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean we should dump garbage in the water. I'm not suggesting anything like that. Okay? We've got to be just reasonable stewards. All right? That, that's not the issue here. But, you know, there's no empirical evidence, by the way, just so you know this, that man's activities have anything to do with climate change. There's always been climate change. Okay? We've had ice ages before. Hello? Okay? And there wasn't hardly anybody around to even cause that. So you know, they're, tr they're trying to prevent something. They don't even know how it caused. And so they're blaming it on people. They want, they want to make people the problem. God says people are the solution. Those are completely two different worldviews. God said fill the earth and subdue it, not submit to it. So when you believe, see, this goes back to the creator. When you believe there's a creator, you can believe that. You can walk in that. You can look at people and say, we need more people. People are a blessing. Children are wonderful. Children are a gift from God. People aren't the problem. Sin is the problem, not people. Right? Come on now. By the word of God, the visible was made from the invisible. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.13. Here's how it works. 2 Corinthians 4.13. But having the same spirit of faith. So faith is a spirit. Faith is spiritual. If we, if we can look into the spirit realm today, Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is the substance or the evidence of things not seen. But if we can look into the spirit, we could grab a handful of faith. You've been in atmospheres like that. Like you said, well, I don't know what's happening here, but, but I, feel, I feel courage, right? right? Amen? Like, like, I'm with Gabe. Like, the worship today, like, I was, woo, I was there. I mean, it was like my spirit was stirred. Faith was being stirred. When I pray in tongues, the Bible says it stirs up my faith. So you got, it's like iced tea, you know? You let the sugar sink to the bottom, it don't taste real sweet. But if you stir it up, then you get the whole thing, right? So your faith is in there. There's a residue of faith. You're born of faith. And as you pray in the spirit and as you worship, you stir the spirit of faith. But faith is released by your words, not by your thoughts, not by your attitudes. 
God created the world with his words. You create the world with your words. Listen to this. But having the same spirit of faith according to what is what? Written. What's written? The word of God. So when we say what God says, that's faith. How many people accuse me? Oh, you're just being arrogant. I'm just being biblical. I'm just telling you what God said about me. You can go argue with God about it. That's what he said. He said, I'm redeemed. He said, I'm a new creature. He said, I'm his boy. You know, talk to him about it. But see, just having some preacher tell me that will only get me so far. Having me repeat the word of God. What does God say about you? And you having the outrageous faith audacity to say it out loud. I believed, therefore I spoke. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? We also believe, therefore we speak. So faith is engaged when we speak the word of God. When we begin to frame our world, when we put that sound out there that is creating our future, saying, I will live victorious. I will serve the Lord. I will break the generational curses in my family of divorce and poverty and addiction. In Jesus' name, I put those words out there in my life. And I'm evidence of that. I'm not not because I had a, you know, a greater salvation than anybody else. It's because I employed the Creator's laws of faith, and I agreed with Him. I mean, come on now. Who is who is smarter than God in this room? Right? See, sometimes we overprocess this. Whatever God says, that's what it is. And I'm going to say that until that picture comes into fruition. I'm going to prophesy that to myself on God's authority. What was written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. A lot of times people tell me, uh, tell me what you think or tell me what you feel. Sometimes I said, I'm not even going there. I'm just going to tell you what I believe right now. Because what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling aren't so great right now. See, that's a discipline that you learn of flowing in God, of pulling that down and walking in that. But you've got to have the word of God in your spirit to do that, okay? You've got to have the word down in your spirit to do that. Amen. So, let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's go to Romans 4. So, I want to, I want to walk you through how this faith kind of warfare looks like. Now, Abraham is mentioned twice in Hebrews 11, right? And we know that Abraham, according to Galatians 3, is the father of our faith. He's the intersection of our faith. So I want to I just walk you through. This has really helped me in my faith walk. So I'm going to, it's like we're having coffee. I'm just going to share with you how this has worked for me, right? I want to download something. Now, now, and I would say this to you. You know, when I buy a book, you know the first thing I read in the book before I buy it? I, re- I flip to the back of the book, and I read the back of the book. Because I want to find out what this person accomplished. I don't, don't want to read people's theories. I want to read, like, 
I'm not going to read a book about prosperity from somebody who's poor. Are you with me? So, like, in this room, you have, tre like, you've got Pastor Carl and Don. Like, if I were you guys, I would be saying, Pastor Carl, can I come up and have a cup of coffee with you? Just, like, I spent four hours with him yesterday. I felt like I got saved, okay? <laughs> like, we had breakfast, and we hung around. Then we picked up Gabe, and Gabe was... It was so great. Pa Gabe was just peppering, Pastor. It was great. He, he was on it. What about this? What about I mean, it was like a year of Bible college. Are you with me? See, that's a treasure that we have in somebody. You glean that from example, not just information. You know, so they're, they're, you have a treasure. These are, these are amazing people sitting here, Okay. And so, you know, especially if you're married, I'd, I'd be saying, Pastor Carl, teach me, how to, teach me how to love like you do. Don, teach me how to love like you do. Teach me how to walk through the trials of life. Like, tell me, like Gabe was peppering him with questions like this. It was great. It was great. I thought, this is, this is awesome. This is, this is kingdom, okay? This is, this is how it works. So I'm going to share with you how some of this has worked with me, okay? So let's look at... Uh, Verse uh, 19 in uh, Romans, actually verse 18, we have verse 18 there. Go to the New American Standard. I think I gave you verse 18 and 19. Okay, let's go there. Okay. Well, that's 19. Do you have 18 also? Oh, there we go. Okay, so we're going to read this in two translations, and I want to I really focus in on something here because this really helped me. In hope against hope, he believed. Now, this is talking about when God gave Sarah a word that she was going to conceive in her old age. All right? Faith supersedes facts. Did you know that? Facts submit to faith. In hope against hope, he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. Not thought of, but what he heard God say. Okay? So you, so shall your descendants be. Now we can go to verse 19. Without becoming weak in faith. Okay, so he, that, you know what that tells me? Abraham, the father of faith, was in a faith struggle. The greatest victories I've had in my life, there have been faith struggles in them. It wasn't like, oh, this is easy. I'll just say a couple verses or say a couple prayers and sing a couple songs and we'll go on to the next thing. No, 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 no. There's been a travail. There's been a birthing of something. I want to walk you through this, okay? Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead. He was, he was an old man, okay? Since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he looked at the promise of God. He looked at his body and said, these things don't work together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what God says. Now, notice here it says he contemplated his own body and I was good at that. Now, let's go to the King James where we have those verses together, all right? Verses 19, verse, uh, Romans 4, 19. Here we go. Now, here's what King James says. And now being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. Did anybody catch that? Do we have those together on one slide? Put them together on one slide. 
Okay? They couldn't do it. Okay. So the New American Standard says he considered his own body. The King James says he considered not his own body. Is that a biblical contradiction? Well, so what I did is I called my Greek teacher. Because that's what you do. You find people who are smarter than you are, which in my case is not hard to do. Okay? <laughs> so I had, uh, fortunately, I had a gentleman. He's going to be with the Lord now, Ed Lothar. He taught Greek at college. And uh, he was a great guy. And so I would call him, you know, periodically and said, Brother Ed, I'm studying this. I'm looking at this. Help me with this. So when I, I was looking at this, wait a minute. So one translation says he considered his own body, clearly. One translation says clearly he considered not his own body. And so I called Brother Ed, and Brother Ed goes, oh, Keith. Yeah, that's what he would do. And he just started rattling. You know, he guy was so well. He said, well, the Greek, and he starts into all the stuff that I won't bore you with the details. He said, this is one of the most beautiful aspects of how the language is used. And here's literally what it means. And having considered, he considered not. Having considered, he considered not. So God gave him a word, and he looked at Sarah and said, honey, you're past childbearing age. And he looked in the mirror and said, me too. And he considered all that and said, after consideration, I'll, ch I'll say what God says. So he considered by not considering. I've been through that. I've sat in a doctor's office where the doctor prophesied something over me. And I heard everything he had to say, and he gave me the test results, and I walked out the door, and I said, I think I'm going to take God's word on this. <laughs> Having considered, I didn't consider. Now, this happens to you in life. Any married person has this experience, right? So about two or three years ago, my dear wife, Penny, decided that we should have a pool. Our kids are all gone, but we got grandkids. And one of my daughters lives beside us, and two of my sons live on the other side of us. There's like four of us lined up in a row. There's ten grandkids in that group right there, you know. So they already come and eat all my food and everything, and now she wants to put a pool in to make them come and eat more, right? So she lays out her sheet. I mean, she's got this down. She lays, let's have a talk, honey. When, you know, when my wife says, let's have a talk, I know it's going to cost me something, right? So she lays out her plan in detail, Brother Carl, on why we should put this big pool in. And I listened, and I considered, and then I considered not. <laughs> so a couple weeks later, she says to me, I want to talk to you about this pool. And I said, honey, we've already had this conversation. She said, I know, but you didn't hear me. I said, no, no, I did hear you. I just disagree with you. I considered, and then I considered not, just like I did with the doctor, just like I've done with the lawyer, just like I've done with the banker, just like I've done with the real estate people, just like I've done with the religious people. I considered, thank you for what you have to share. I understand those facts, but God has something else to say, and I'm going to choose what God says. I'm considering not to consider. Now listen, this is, this is great. You talk about a miracle, this is how this pool story ends. So finally, I mean, she's after this. She's relentless, right? So finally we get to the point where I said, okay, we'll do an above-ground pool. Now my son next door 
You know, he says, oh, Dad, I'll pitch in, I'll help. And I, but I know what's going to happen. We're not going to have a pool. We're going to have a deck, and we're going to have a fence. And you know, you know what I mean. It's, it's gonna, it, by the time it's all done, I might as well build a house, okay? I, I know what's going to happen. And he says, I'm going to pitch in. And then my daughter says, well, we'll pitch in. And then my, my oldest son, who's at the end of the driveway, he said, I ain't pitching in. That's a crazy idea. Of course, I know if we do it, he will. He said, you know, you, we, you can go to the community pool for 500 years and pay everybody's fare, and it won't cost you what it will cost to put that, you know, and he's, he's, he's a business guy. So he's rattling all this off. He's, he's not doing it, and he's not in. And then so finally it's worked so good, so I agree to do the pool, but everybody's out of stock, and we can't do it. Gee whiz. <laughs> I'm so sad, you know. So listen to this. So about... See, this is, what, beginning of September. In the beginning of August, my son, who doesn't want to even help with the, build, with the above ground pool, comes and announces that he's putting a 40 by 60, no, 20 by 40 building pool in his yard. The guy that didn't want it, he lives right next door, okay, two houses up. And he's paying for the whole thing. Now, that's victory, Hallelujah. Literally, while we were here, he sent me the picture. They just poured the cement all around it. They, they, this will be finished. We get home. We left. It wasn't done. We get home. It'll be done. We'll be ready to jump in the pool. Now, I'll tell you, is God good or what? All right? See, that's what happens when you ignore your wife. Now, don't, don't repeat that. I didn't ignore her. She accused me of ignore her, but I considered everything she had to say, and then I considered not. That's how faith works. That's how your faith is going to work. When you have a calling to do something, when you want to go to school, when you want to do better in your vocation, when you want to do something with your life and your family, there are going to be a set of facts that you're going to have to consider and say, I think I'll choose what God has to say. And then you begin to frame your world. This is what God is going to do. Not because of me, because of him, because what we understand that he is the creator. That's your framework. My framework is that God created the earth. So whatever I have need of, whatever he's asking of me, whatever he's calling me to, whatever he's prophesying me to, is a drop in the bucket to creating a couple planets. I mean, listen, they are still discovering solar systems. Not planets, universes. Just recently, they discovered a whole other universe several weeks ago. There's no end to it. You know why? Because God's word is still out there creating. And it's always going to be like that. And that's how he wants to be in your life. We have this tendency to look what we were, and God is looking what he wants us to be, what he's called us to be, what he's equipped us to be. You can be inspired by my preaching, but your faith will arise by your preaching. You are the greatest preacher you are ever going to hear. You might be looking at the visible right now, but God is trying to get you to a faith level where you dare to see the invisible. When you look like I did at that room full of people 40 years ago, and I believe we had an apostolic call to go to the world with six people and $50 in the bank. <laughs> and here we are. Are you with me? 
That's how God looks at your life. Whatever he has called you to do, whatever godly desire he has put in your heart to begin to frame your world by agreeing with God, we believe, therefore we spoke. Stand up with me. I want to challenge you in your walk with the Lord. I love what Pastor Chris did at the end of worship. Did you see how he came up and he changed the pronouns of the song? And he made it about what not just God does for them, but what God does for us, who I am. Amen. I just shared with you how I've walked through this battle of faith. And I've had a lot of battles of faith. All right. I've learned a couple things. If I'm a believer, at the end of the day, if I didn't get what I was believing for, I still please God. I was approved by God. God smiled on me because I chose to consider what he had to say. Hallelujah. I've never walked away disappointed when I've really put my faith out there, even when I didn't get what I was looking for. I can, that's a testimony because I understand that faith pleases God, and my job is to please God. Secondly, I've seen lots of manifestations of faith. Okay?